Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Yep, that's who it is, all right. Welcome in, Downtown, the podcast. I am Rich Kimball. That's Carrie Haskell. We're happy to be back with you for episode number 184. This one and all of them brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Two very funny and talented women joining us on the podcast this week. A little bit later on, actress Cindy Williams will talk with us and share some stories from her one-woman show that she'll be taking on the road starting in January called Me, Myself, and Shirley. Stories of, uh, oh, the Laverne and Shirley days, but but much more in a very interesting life. Up first, though, well, she's the reigning downtown madness champion voted by her listeners as the favorite guest of the last year on our daily radio show. She's coming back to Maine for uh, three shows at the end of November, but she's out on tour all over the country. You can go to her website to get more information about that. Very happy to talk once again with the very talented Paula Poundstone. Hello, Paula. How are you? I'm just wonderful. How are you? Good enough. (laughs) Now, we have not uh, had you on the show since you were crowned the Downtown Madness champion, voted by our listeners as uh, their favorite guest of the past year. Has that opened a lot of doors for you out there, knowing that you're you're huge in Bangor, Maine? It has, mm-hmm. and the responsibilities. Woo. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't tell you about that. Yeah, that you know, on my podcast, uh, we have Cat of the Week, <laughs> and people are forever coming up to me saying, you know, can my cat be Cat of the Week? And I say to them, I don't think you understand the responsibilities uh, that a cat takes on. Yeah, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown, even in the feline world. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of crowns, where is my crown? Well, you know, we're working on that. Probably if we had coordinated it well, we would deliver it to you when, when you're here in Maine for three shows later this month, uh, the 26th at Jonathan's Gunquit, the 27th at the beautiful Stone Mountain Arts Center in Brownfield, and on the 28th at the Strand in Rockland. Maybe we I'm can get something lucky, together. Huh? Well, yes, we're pretty lucky that you get to to come back. Now, what's it been like? Has the road changed? Uh, you're back out there doing shows again. Anything different? Um, is there anything different? Well, yeah. I mean, in 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 the I started back out of the road in June, and in the beginning, they limited capacity in places. You know, there's always the dance about what the what the rules are, because I work in different states. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I've worked in Florida and Texas because I want to see them while they're still alive. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's a, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a wrestling match to get the, um, you know, I want people vaccinated and masked. Uh, I, I don't know what the rules are in Maine, but, um, and here's why I want that. The first reason is because I love people and and I want them to be safe. And and the second reason and it's and it's it's not right behind the first reason, there's a distance between the first and the second reason is that as a business model, killing your audience not a good idea. Right. Uh, so, someone uh, needs to tell so the Republican uh, party that. Say that again? Someone needs to tell the Republican party that. Honestly, you know, I ha- I have the strangest experience. I um, you know, I, you know, with the mask thing, 
I remember when I was a kid and I would see like a Western uh, uh, on TV and and maybe uh, somebody would rob a stagecoach or a bank, right? And they would tie the bandana around their nose and mouth. And I remember thinking like, okay, who doesn't know that's James Garner? Like, <laughs> it, it didn't seem like much of a disguise to me. But in the course of, um, I was I was off the road uh, basically for 15 months. And, and during that time, I did a volunteer job one day a week, and we we wore masks, of course. And uh, but then remember that little period in May and June when we thought, yes, we got this. Yeah, that was uh, fun. We didn't, by the way, but <laughs> it was a good feeling. Uh, so during that period in May and June, we were all vaccinated that worked at this place, and um, so and it's an indoor outdoor job. So we took our masks off. And I literally, the, most of the people that worked there, I had I had only known in this circumstance. So I literally was standing beside a woman one day, and I said, "Is, is Jesse not working today?" And she said, "I am Jesse." <laughs> I could not recognize people with the bottoms of their faces, ex, you know, exposed. And then there was okay. This is a terrible thing, and don't ever tell anybody. I no, said no, this. it's a secret. There were some people that I didn't like as much with the bottom part of their face. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about because I teach school, and so all day long I'm seeing you know just the eyes and occasionally uh, a bit of the nose, and then every once in a while we'll get outside taking a little mask break, and I'll say, who is that? Oh, 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 maybe the mask. <laughs> masks sometimes are helpful for more than just health reasons. <laughs> Sorry. Bless you. I have a chronic cough from allergies and asthma, and uh, boy, does that make, you know, people always kind of stood away from me as a result of that, but now I get quite a distance. But that's nice if you're trying to, like, in an airport, clear out a little space for yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, all the signs in the airport with the stand six feet apart and stuff, like, really? Because we're about, in just a couple minutes... <laughs> We're going to be seated on top of one. Another. We're going to be seated inside one another like Russian coupling dolls. Uh, well, they say now that the, um, that the ventilation system on an airplane is supposedly very good. Sure. Well, of course they tell you that. Yeah, they do. They told me that, and I got, and I got on the plane. I, I, I not only wear a mask. Of course, but I also um, put a blanket over my head, which I do for because um, I'm going to sleep anyways, and I do it so that everyone doesn't see my mouth hanging open, which they couldn't anyways come to think of it with the mask. But um, I, that was my habit in the before time, and now uh, and now I figured you know it's just that much more protection. Makes perfect sense to me. We're talking with Paula Poundstone uh, here on Downtown. You also have uh, an album out uh, that's um, from your HBO, a classic HBO special from the 90s. Paula Poundstone goes to college, and now we have a chance to listen to it. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, I don't know. Some company came along and, and said, oh, why don't you do that? And I said, because I didn't know how to do that. Thank you. Um, so there it is. Yeah, people can listen to the audio of uh right of that hbo special from the 90s and if i do say so myself and i do it's funny sometimes um in the process of just doing that i would hear little clips of it again and i was like oh my heavens i forgot that i ever said that but that's kind of funny 
Are, are college audiences different from your standard audience? That audience uh, was a mixture of college students and, uh, and you know, just regular people. Um, and so when I talk to the audience, and I do, it's my favorite part of any show. It's just the time-honored, where are you from, what do you do for a living? So in that show, when I talked to the audience, there were, um, you know, I talked to people who were out in the working world, and I talked to individuals that were students there. Uh, and uh, they were all great. I mean, the thing about people, and it's part of why I don't want them to die, um, is, uh, you know, you get anybody talking for a, a couple of seconds, and they're just great. Yeah, there's a lot of humor to be found out there. Also, I, I'm looking at the website, and you've got a couple of collections available for digital download on an audio CD, and one of them is, well, you telling jokes right here in Maine. Yes, that was taped at the Stone Mountain Arts Center uh, a couple years back now, a couple, couple few years back. You know, one thing that you may notice on that website is um, a bunch of comedy videos. It's under the tab RX Laughter uh, videos. Um, when, I, I mean, for years I had made the occasional uh, comedy video just, fooling around with the silly, stupid camera and stuff. Um, but then when the uh, when the stay-at-home order came into being, um, I, I thought it was going to be like a couple weeks or something. You know? <laughs> I was like, boy, I'm going to have to tighten my belt, huh? Um, and my number one concern really was for everybody else who looked so scared. You know, when you see people in the grocery store, um, everybody was in a panic. And, um, and so I thought, well, you know, I got to make... I'm going to make comedy videos to, uh, you know, to comfort people. And, um, and so I did. And uh, I was, you know, I was banging them out like one a day for a while. And then uh, it became clear that it was going to be longer than a couple of weeks. <laughs> and then, of course, it dawned on me that I had no income. That was a uh, – <laughs> one, one of the things I learned during this stay-at-home order uh, – is that I'm not essential, and and that was a bitter pill. <laughs> well, the videos are great. Now, are you still are you still doing the regular uh, workout regimen? You know what? I work out uh, twice a day with just a teeny little. Uh, uh, I posted on Twitter. Um, I started, you know, again when you know when the stay at home order occurred. I I, I used to go to. Uh, uh, Taekwondo self-defense guy. I used to go to a kickboxing guy, um, and I loved those things, by the way. But now, you know, uh, couldn't do that anymore. And so I, I thought, you know, I really would like to be able to. When I did push-ups, I did the kind on your knees. And I thought, you know, I really, I don't know why I want this, but I wanted to be able to do a real push-up, you know, to do them uh, as part of a workout, uh, you know, real push-ups. And um, so I started by doing 10 push-ups on my knees uh, twice a day. And then I threw in some other, uh, you know, some side dishes. I, I threw in some other exercises, too. Um, but, but it was basically focused on this push-up idea. And I posted it. And trainers and, and other people on Twitter would sort of say encouraging things to me and tell me, like, well, do this and do that. 
Um, and people said, well, you know, you can do push-ups on a wall and slowly move your feet back, and it gets more um, challenging. So anyways, the upshot of all this is that I do exercises twice a day. I add on one to, uh, I, I add on one to each exercise once a week. And uh, somewhere along the way, I started also doing real push-ups, which I could only do three at first. So now, today, I do 32 real push-ups twice a day, uh, plus, um, you know, and it's an, and it's they're in a bed of other exercises. That's wonderful. Uh, now, are the cats uh, still amused by this? The, um, you know, I wear a pen on my hanging off my pants and I also wear an Ellie Mae belt uh, which means just really a piece of string tying my belt loops <laughs> together and uh, they are fascinated by that so as I'm doing push-ups I'm squishing cats underneath my pot belly well I think that's that, that probably um, increases uh, in some way your your pliability your flexibility or something along the way yeah, yeah. Well, it makes you right. It makes you it makes you ready. Uh, you know, you're not just doing them by rote. You're, no, no. You're very aware of your circumstances. In some of the workout videos that I made, um, my cats. Well, I had a cat that was very old and ailing, and uh, come to find out, she was blind, and wow. she was forever getting in the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I nearly killed her several times. Uh, just you know doing jumping jacks or something, not realizing she was behind me. And people find those videos where the cat's creeping in slowly, about to be crushed. I don't know. It gives a suspenseful feel to the uh, videos. <laughs> I, I do occasionally follow someone else's workout video to do. But, you know, it's always a really fit blonde person. So I made some workout videos feeling that, you know, people would rather work out with someone who looks like me. <laughs> uh, is a there... regular person. Is there a real-life Rhonda who was the inspiration for those videos? You know, she's kind of a combination of my mother and my aunt. <laughs> I, 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 I was born in Alabama, but my, but my parents moved to Massachusetts a month after I was born. So I was raised, and, the, and I'm the youngest in my family, so I was raised by Southerners in New England. It is a little Beverly Hillbillies, you know, without the money. <laughs> yeah, and the cement pond. We did not have a cement pond, but I believe we had pot passers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the podcast continues to go well because nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is uh, is coming along. Still really fun to do. We've had some. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think who was on this. Who did I just interview? We, you know, we interview, it's a comedy podcast, but I like there to be some information in there so that if people don't feel we were hysterically funny that week, they go away with a little piece of solid information. Um, so we we mostly interview people that have information that is, uh, let's see, uh, that's helpful just to a regular person. You go, oh, I didn't know that. So, for example, I think one of my favorites ever was we interviewed a plumber, and that's how I learned that you're not supposed to put Kleenex in your toilet. I didn't know that. And i got to tell you, it's changed my relationship with my plumbing. <laughs> I didn't know. you. I'm just learning this now. Why, why no Kleenex? I, it's, it's a thicker uh, uh, weave isn't the right word, but uh, ply, whatever. It's thicker than toilet paper. 
and um, so it clogs the clogs the pipes. Oh boy! It's been it's very helpful to know. And the other thing is that um, if you pour hot water, I mean, I want to you you want to melt the PVC pipes, but if you pour hot water down your drains, you know, once a month or so, it keeps them uh, uh, in better stead. And um, that's uh, you know. That's something that I do now. I mean, we literally were calling a plumber like once a month there for a while. And now, I don't know, several months go by before we have an issue. Well, that's so good news. We have guests like that often. Um, and then we have guests, uh, and, and then, of course, we make jokes about it. But uh, we have um, we have a section of the show sometimes called uh, Outside the Actor's Studio, <laughs> where uh, an accomplished actor or actress comes on and coaches me in the... Uh, in auditioning, um, we read a scene together, and uh, that's been really, really fun. We most recently had uh, John Cleese in that position, and uh, he was very funny. Um, he seemed to think maybe I should give up the idea of acting, but still, <laughs> he was very funny. Now, when you do wait, wait, are, are you doing that remotely? Now, um, we did in the summer... Uh, I think in August sometime we did a uh, you know a show with a live audience where we were all together uh, at Tanglewood in Massachusetts. Right. Um, but uh, we used to have a home in Chicago, and then we were on the road you know once once a month maybe, uh, and all that's changed with um, COVID. So we have for the most part been um, uh, you know everybody trying to figure out their stupid zoom thing we are such big fans of wait wait we've had a, a bunch of the uh, a bunch of your fellow contestants on the show and we had bill curtis on a few months ago and boy if he wasn't my hero before he sure is now what a what a great guy and a funny guy he is isn't he great yeah i i really love bill curtis you know it's a fun show um and what you know one of the things that's great about the show wait wait don't tell me is that um I mean, prior to podcasting, where, you know, one of the things about podcasting is, you know, a lot of the seams are on the outside, which, which I like. Mm. Um, but in, in most television or, or radio uh, uh, situations, um, performers are, are hired and then sort of told, well, don't say that and don't say that and don't do that and don't do that. And, uh, no, make sure you stick to the script. Whereas, wait, wait, I, I mean, one of the joys of doing that show, it, I remember the first time I ever did it, uh, uh, you know, I had that headset on, and the director kept saying into my headset, like, jump in any time, say whatever you want. Like, wow. <laughs> I love it. That is, that, that is, it was almost a, I was almost, it was almost a, it was a, it was a high school uh, um, driver's <laughs> license type of freedom. <laughs> Paula Poundstone, she is appearing later this month, the 26th, Jonathan's in a gun quit, the 27th, Stone Mountain Arts Center in Brownfield, and on the 28th at the Strand in Rockland. She is, of course, the Downtown Madness champion. And between now and, and the end of the month, uh, maybe we can uh, we can get our engravers to do their job and, and finish up the work on that crown. When it's done, though, it'll be worth the wait. Oh, man, I cannot wait. In fact, <laughs> I what I've been doing is... is uh, uh, growing my hair specifically and styling it so that the crown can sit, you know, on a, <laughs> on a bed of hair uh, and cling to my 
to my head. I, I can't wait to see it. It'll come together beautifully. Paula, thank I've been you. consulting the Queen about how she did it. <laughs> as you should. Thanks, uh, as always, Paula, for joining us. Uh, be well, travel safely on your way here to Maine, and we'll talk again soon. All right, take care. Ah, Paula Poundstone, making, making radio guys' lives easy because... <laughs> With, with Paula, you just tee it up. You can throw anything her way, and she'll find a way to make it funny. Absolutely, and and yeah, we that is the exact guest that radio folk love to have. Yeah, and always so entertaining. And yeah, I, I every time Paula comes on, it's going to be a highlight for me. I know. Yep, no question about that. Check her out if you get a chance to see her on the road as she is again back out and touring those live performances. We'll uh, take a break here. Our friends from Cross Insurance with a message. And when we come back, Shirley Feeney herself, actress Cindy Williams, next on Downtown. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hudson, Benford, had uh, quite a career films like american graffiti and the conversation but of course best known for her long-running role as shirley feeney one half of the dynamic duo of laverne and shirley along with penny marshall a big hit for several seasons on abc she's also the author of a terrific memoir shirley i jest a storied life and she's getting ready to head out on the road in january with a one-woman show called Me, Myself, and Shirley. Happy to welcome back to the podcast our friend Cindy Williams. And we began the conversation by reminiscing about the fact that it had been, well, almost exactly two years since Cindy's been with us. I don't want to say I've spent every day since then pining for you and thinking we needed to get you back, but it's been close to that. Well, Rich, thank you. What a great compliment. Well, we're thank so excited. Thank you for that blushing. Oh, well, so happy. And we've been talking about you with other people. I hope your ears haven't been burning, but your your friend Ed Begley was on with us a couple of months ago, and you, you may have come up a couple of times. Oh, I'm sure. And I can bring Ed up if you'd like me to. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my dear, dear friends. Well, he did confirm some stories that you told us about uh, about picking you up for a date in his, in his electric golf cart. And uh, and then killing all the power at your house when he, he plugged his vehicle in. Yes, that's true. So Ed confirmed it. He did. Right? Yeah, and he, he said it was even worse than you than you led us to believe. That yeah. Yeah, I had like I don't know a hundred people at my house for a dinner party, and everything blew. He said, "Cindy, can I plug the car in because uh, I need more juice?" I said, "Sure." And he plugged it into the garage and everything blew. But it was exciting, you know. <laughs> well, what's really exciting is this one-woman show that you've been working on. And uh, I'm looking at your schedule here starting in January. 
you're going to be a busy woman uh, this uh, late winter and spring, taking me, myself, and Shirley everywhere. Tell us a little bit about the show. Yeah, the three of us are headed on, headed out on the road. It's just 90 minutes of fun, and it's about, you know, a little bit about my life, a little bit, because I, you know, that's boring stuff. You want to get to the fun stuff. But, um, and it's, um, it's, you know, a lot of, um, all the, a lot of my, my show business career, my career in show business and how I got from here to there basically. And then the fun stuff of Laverne and Shirley, of course. And, um, and it's, very visual and uh, just a lot of fun and hopefully, you know, laugh out loud. I did it for a month in Boca Raton for three weeks in Boca Raton in another version of it along when I was first trying it out. And uh, there were a lot of laugh out loud moments. So I'm, I'm very pleased with it and really excited about uh, coming to a theater near you, except I don't think we're up there in, um, in Maine until maybe next year. All right. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Now I want to know, you'll have to come and see it. Oh, you know what? How did you cut your life story down to to 90 minutes? Because I went back to, to reread your book, Surely I Jest, A Storied Life, which is a wonderful read the second time, even better, but there's so many wonderful stories. How did you, how did you pick to get it down to 90 minutes? It wasn't easy. I had to just take, I thought, well, I'll change the stories around on the road. You know, I'll um, I'll put the share story here, and then the Andy Kaufman story back in, and I'll <laughs> then I'll take those out and put the Gene Kelly story in. Anyway, I just had I'm so blessed, Rich, to have had so many fabulous, wonderful, you know, heady experiences and adventures in my life in my life and in show business, in my career, that um, I had just had a, a plethora, I think that's a word, a plethora <laughs> of uh, choices. And I, so I just put the ones that I thought were really, really shiny and shined them up more and put them in the show. The ones I thought were really funny, but I did have to bail, you know, I did have to keep a few in the wings that I would have loved to have put <laughs> in the show, but they're just too long to tell. Like um, a story about um, Cher and Penny and me. And um, it, it would have taken 10 minutes to tell that, give that story, you know, um, the, you know, the fun that it needed uh, to tell it. Uh, the time that it needed really painted it as much with as much fun as it was. We have 10 minutes. If you want to share that story with us. Okay. (laughs) Well, it starts out um, where Penny and I are invited to the uh, premiere of Greece and we have to at Grauman's Chinese in Hollywood. And so we, in order to get there, we have to leave from Paramount from rehearsals get dressed on the lot, and then um, the car was going to pick us up, but the guy, the driver, told us to be way on the other side of the lot, so we're running for the car so we can make it to the premiere of Greece. And um, so 
as we're running, we pa- I say to Penny, did you bring a lipstick or a lip gloss? She goes, no. And I said, well, I didn't either. And this is going to wear off and my lips are all cracked and dry and, you know, and I was miserable and we're running. And as we're talking, having this conversation while well, we're walking really fast uh, to, about the lip gloss, they're sitting in front of one of the soundstage doors, a share with a friend. I mean, she's sitting on the ground and she goes, she, and we, we look over and we see her and this is before share was share, this share, <laughs> you know, it was between sunny and share and share. Right. And so she says, here, you can borrow my lip gloss. And she hands us a lip gloss and we stop and we say, thank you. Thank you, share. And we put, you know, we use the lip gloss and we hand it back to her and she goes, you going to the Greece premiere? And we said, yeah. And she goes, I would have loved to. She said something like she wasn't going, you know, and we could tell she wasn't going. And so we thanked her profusely and we ran for the car and, uh, and all our discussion was in the car on the way to the premiere was why isn't Cher in this car with us going to the Greece premiere? Why isn't Cher going to the Greece premiere? Why wasn't she invited? And so then skip to years later, there's something funny that happened there with John Travolta, but anyway, skip to years later, um, we're in Fiorucci's, which is this high-end, you know, um, Italian hip disco store in Beverly Hills. And I don't know how we got there on this Saturday afternoon. And we um, were in this high-end disco store, Fiorucci's, on the Saturday afternoon. I have no idea how we got there. I think Penny's daughter, uh, Tracy, he wanted to go in there and we were shopping. So there was nothing in this store really for Penny or me, except they had these brand new black vinyl <laughs> disco pants Ooh. and they just come in. And these things were nothing Penny and I would ever wear, but we were very curious about how they would look on us. And we were each very thin at the time. So we go into the each in a dressing room side by side and we struggle for about Five minutes, I can hear her. She's saying, get on the floor and whittle your way into them. And, you know, and I said, what do I do with this, you know, fat that's, you know, sticking out of me? And how do I zip these things up? And so I'm jumping around, and finally I get it zipped up, and she gets hers uh, on, and we come out, and we look at each other. We can barely walk or breathe in these things. And we look at each other and we burst out laughing. And I say, I'm not getting these. I'd never wear them in a million years. And she says, me neither. And just then, Cher, who is now Cher, is walking by with two friends. And she goes, those pants look great on you girls. You ought to get them. And we did. <laughs> but it, but the story was much longer than that. That's the story in a in a nutshell. And we were so happy for Cher that Cher was now Cher, <laughs> and she'd be invited to every premiere. I love that. We're talking with Cindy Williams uh, on Downtown. She goes on the road starting in January with me, myself, and Shirley. You mentioned the Gene Kelly story. Now, is that the story of uh, you perhaps teaching Gene a new way to dance with some unique foot placement? <laughs> 
No, it was just, I did the Funny Side, uh, which was a television series. It was the first, um, one of the first shows I ever got on TV. It was an hour um, variety show. And it was sketches and music, and um, and Gene Kelly was the host. And what uh, I was just like stunned because he's so much bigger than life, and you know, just an icon to me. And it was like habita habita habita. <laughs> and one time I had to do this little dance. Well, it was it was a move with him, and he choreographed it where we're singing this song, and he turns me around, and it's that old classic. Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney pose where the man puts is behind the woman, puts his arms around her. She puts her arms on him and they sing to each other. Right. Mm. And sway. And so we're swaying and singing and singing and swaying. And I'm looking at Gene and I'm thinking, wow, this could be right out of one of his big movies. If I wasn't standing on his foot <laughs> and I was standing smack dab on his foot and he didn't miss a beat the entire time, he just kept swaying so smoothly with me. And then years later, I was invited. Uh, he called me and asked me to do this show he was doing called An American in Pasadena. And he was going to have, you know, um, uh, Lucille Ball and uh, Sid Charisse and Frank Sinatra, and Liza Minnelli, and, and Betty Garrett, and all these wonderful, wonderful performers on the show. And and it was going to be live. And I, at first I turned him, I said, I can't do that. And he goes, no, I picked our song out. And I said, I don't think I can do it, Gene, live. I, I don't know. And he said, yes, you can. I'm sending the script over anyway. We get to the show and it's going out live and I, you know, and again, he has the same move where he turns me around and we're singing you wonderful you and I'm singing with him. I'm thinking this is going great. We sound great together and, you know, harmonizing and the song is going great. And I'm thinking, wow, this is just fabulous. And it would be even greater if I wasn't standing on his foot. (laughs) again and he never missed a beat but there I was standing on his foot again so I have the you know I have the um the honor of being the person who stood on Gene Kelly's foot while swaying with him while dancing with him now I don't think the last time you were I don't think we talked about a movie that that I loved it used to be on cable all the time uh, back in the day, the first nudie musical. Did we? I don't think we talked about that. What was the experience like of doing that movie? Well, that's my friend Bruce, who I went to college with. Right, Bruce Kimmel. All kinds of shows. Bruce Kimmel. And um, <clears throat> he just had this idea where he just wanted to send pornography up, and he thought it would be funny and make fun of it because um, he found it hilarious. And so he had first wanted to write the movie, and um, and uh, and shoot it on 8mm, and then blow it up like grainy. And mm. But anyway, it came down to this wonderful little musical. There is nudity in it, but not me. <laughs> and uh, it's risque, but it's very, very funny. And it it also, though, got me the modern, um, you know, the 
a little side name in People Magazine of Little Miss Filthmouth because of a line that I had. <laughs> and um, there was the sweetest picture of me, and under that picture of me, it was um, was the caption, Little Miss Filthmouth. And it, because of one line I had in this, uh, in, in Bruce's movie, but it was done for like 15, you know, it was one of those student films. And, um, he just is a genius at writing music and, um, just had this genius idea and it became a, you know, a very, um, kind of underground popular movie. And I heard that they ran it at the Playboy mansion every night. Well, I loved oh. it. I thought it was terrific. Uh, so, so funny. I, in rereading the book, I, I had forgotten to ask you about this story before. Can, can you tell a little of the story of how you and Penny, before doing Laverne and Shirley, got blessed by Little Richard? Yes, and that's in my show, Me, Myself, and Shirley. Oh, great. I, um, well, I, ha- I, I was a big fan of hers on... Um, the odd couple, but I really, I don't think she had gotten that job yet. But anyway, I had seen her, uh, you know, and I thought, wow, she just seems like the most fun person. And we got, we went just independently, you know, went out on a double day together and we went, she went with Rob Reiner and I went with my boyfriend at the time, Fred, and we went to see, um, Little Richard opened for Liza Minnelli at the Coconut Grove. Wow. And uh, Little Richard was fantastic, and Liza Minnelli was fantastic. And after the show, we were invited backstage to meet Liza Minnelli. And Penny and I hadn't said a word to each other because, you know, we just sat in the audience, watched the show, and then we were invited backstage. But in order to get to little to um, Liza Minnelli's dressing room, you had to go through Little Richard's dressing room, and it, they were like boxcar dressing rooms. So the, the, our dates are ahead of us. Rob and Fred are ahead of us, and we're about to um, cross into Little Richard's dressing room, and we're in the door frame, and, uh, and he puts his leg up. He's sitting to the right of us, and he's sitting at a dressing table and he sees us and puts his leg up and blocks the door like a parking you know (laughs) like in a parking garage and he says you two I want to say a blessing over you two and at the time I knew he was a a certified you know minister and so after he says you two I want to say a blessing over you two Penny and I immediately bowed our heads and Little Richard proceeded to say the most wonderful blessing over us, asking the Lord for, you know, our happiness, our, our, our protection, his, God's protection over us and for success for us and happiness in our lives. And when he was finished, he shouted, amen. And Penny and I shouted, amen. <laughs> and then his leg, which had been up the entire time, it came down and we, we were just stunned and we walked through you know, to Liza Minnelli's dressing room. Now, you cut to years later when we're doing Laverne and Shirley because all this time passed in between and we're on the set and I see this headline uh, on one of the writer's tables. It says Laverne, it was on in Variety, The um, you know, it was the, um, which is the uh, paper for Hollywood. And it said, 
Laverne and Shirley gold in Hollywood. And I called Penny over and I said, look at this. Laverne and Shirley gold in Hollywood. What do you think that means, Penny? What do you, why do you think we're successful? And without missing a beat, she said, little Richard's blessing. And I said, <laughs> right you are. Amen, sister. And um, we always thought of that that he had prayed over us and asked God for our success, which Penny and I in a million years at that time would never have thought, you know, we'd have success. And so it was just, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful story. That is wonderful. And a beautiful event in our lives. Now you two, you and Penny uh, managed to get in uh, to the soundstage and see the Laverne and Shirley set before the first taping. And then, uh, as I recall from the book, you decided to do a little redecorating? Well, yeah. When we showed up on the set for the first day, uh, it was like the Mary Tyler Moore set. It had been dressed in all these beautiful, you know, wall-to-wall carpeting, beautiful wallpaper, beautiful furnishings, and knickknacks, and wall hangings. It was just beautiful. And we said, this isn't Laverne and Shirley's apartment. This is Mary Tyler Moore's apartment. <laughs> And we said this, and we were alone on the soundstage. We'd snuck on to the day before we were set to uh, begin rehearsals to see the set. And we'd done, uh, we, you know, done the pilot, and our show had the sink in the living room. The kitchen sink was in the living room in our little apartment in the pilot. And then we came, and when we got our own show, I guess they thought, oh, won't it be pretty for the girls? And we said, no, 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 these are blue-collar workers. Oh, no, no, no. And so we ran to our individual homes and gathered all our junk from our, you know, (laughs) uh, teenage bedrooms. And, you know, I got old photos and old uh, coats from junior high and my high school album and uh, movie magazines and and uh, old shoes and just and a pile of newspapers that my mother was saving for some reason. And. We ran. We met back on the soundstage that evening, and we took everything we could move and hit it backstage, <laughs> way backstage, and um, all the tchotchkes and the furniture we could hide, and we replaced it with all these old pillows, you know, and and just all the junk we had. Uh, we took all the wall hangings down and put up, you know. Penny put up old 45s, put a nail up and hung an old 45. And I hung a picture of my friend Don on the wall in front of his Chevrolet, you know, from the 50s. And anyway, uh, the next morning when, you know, we did the best we could. We couldn't, we wanted to pull up the carpeting because it was beautiful. And Laverne and Shirley wouldn't have that. Well, the next morning when everybody, when we came to the set, they were waiting for us, and they were not happy. The producers, the writers, the you know, the people from upstairs, the you know, the big wigs at Paramount, and they wanted an explanation. So we said, "Listen, you know, as beautiful as this set was, this is not Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley are two girls that you know they get their furniture from the Goodwill, or they make." Um, shelves out of cinder blocks and two by fours and uh you know they they always have to give the feeling of the wolf being at their heels they couldn't 
sometimes they can't afford the rent. That's the fun of the show. We're blue collar workers. We're every man. And, you know, we have to maintain the integrity of that for the show to work, for the comedy to work. Anyway, by the end of, you know, of us pleading our case, the carpet came up. But they did make, and they, you know, they tacked the set down, as they say, and brought it all down and uh, replaced all the furniture. But they made a show, show them where we'd hidden everything, (laughs) which we did. But, boy, that was a heart stopper for us because that would not have been our show. And that's why things, if you look at the first apartment, there's still junk there. My mother's stack in the first couple of episodes, my mother's stack of newspapers remained there. And Penny's 45s are up on the wall. And there's this old Hello Sailor um, pillow that's on the old couch. And old blankets that we threw around in movie magazines. And my junior high school coat was still in the the landing closet because they had beautiful coats, wool coats in there. We took all those out and put in our old coats. And that remained, and um, I'm happy we did it. And the carpet came up. Cindy Williams going on tour with Me, Myself, and Shirley. You can go to the website, me, myself, and Shirley.com. And if she's coming to a city near you, well, you need to get out and see it. You're going to love it. The first show is uh, January 20th through the 22nd at the Annenberg Theater in Palm Springs, California. From there, uh, throughout Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and more. And hopefully up here to the Northeast uh, before 2022 gets too deep. Cindy, it's so wonderful to talk with you again. We really appreciate you visiting with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Rich. It's just been a joy. Oh, what an absolute delight. She is the great Cindy Williams, possibly coming to a town near you. Hope we can get her up here in the Northeast uh, next year with her tour of me, myself, and Shirley. She's such a good storyteller. And to be able to see it in a uh, theatrical setting. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I, I would really love to have that happen. Our thanks to Cindy Williams and Paula Poundstone for joining us this week. Thanks to you as well. Hope you'll join us next time right here on Downtown, the podcast.